So we welcome you. This is part two in our series. What's it called? Let's say that a little bit louder. Much better. That's it. That's right. We're studying moments. Moments in the Old Testament, although we see this in the New Testament also, where God breaks into our lives and He surprises us. And, and this break in is really when God reveals to us an aspect of His character and it totally changes our lives. Now, as I mentioned last Sunday, this is a totally different series than what we normally do. I'm serving really as your tour guide, and I'm leading you on a journey of discovery where God will reveal himself to you in some really special ways. And He, when he reveals himself, he redirects our lives, and it's very special. Now, in this journey, I'm going to be sharing with you some stories. I'm going to do a little bit of teaching, but primarily, I'm just going to be asking a whole bunch of questions. And there are times you will respond to these questions at your tables where you're going to have some discussion there. Or if you're watching this on video, you're going to be talking about these questions in your small group. Other times, you're going to respond to these questions publicly with a microphone so everyone in the room can hear you and also those watching on DVD can hear your responses as well. Now, last Sunday, we learned around our tables that the tables you are sitting at, that is your team for the next six weeks. And we want you to continue to come back to those tables. And you also learn that you experienced or were connected to a prayer partner. If you're new with us this morning, don't worry about it. We'll connect you with the prayer partner a little bit later. Okay, just hang on. Um, what I'd like you to do right now is just pick one of these two questions to answer at your table. And if you're at a table where you don't have someone with you, you may want to join a table that has people with them. Okay? I want you to just pick one of these two questions and make sure everyone at your table knows your first name. And you just answer one of these questions is like 10, 15, 20 seconds long. What are you thankful for? What's one challenge you're facing? Go for it. Talk about one of those at your table. Real quick. Go for it. Let me bring you back seven days. Seven days ago, we kicked off this series on Surprise with Part 1. And we saw how God surprised Samuel. Samuel was a teenager, and God broke into his world and revealed to Samuel that he was the God who speaks. And he began speaking to Samuel. And that moment where Samuel realized that I worship a God who speaks completely redirected Samuel's life. He became one of the most noteworthy prophets in all of Israel. This is what God does. He breaks into our lives. He reveals to us something about him, and it is life-changing. Now, here are three follow-up questions from last Sunday that I want you to discuss at your tables. You're going to see that these messages relate to one another, and there is continuation and things I want you to think about even last Sunday. So this is what I would like you to do. I want you to pick one of these three questions to answer at your tables. What was it like, first of all, to receive a phone call from your prayer buddy? Everyone had a prayer buddy if you were here last Sunday. So what was it like to actually receive a phone call from that person? Second, were you able to live out, make some progress on your table obedience statement from last week's lesson about the God who speaks? All of us talked about at our tables a different way that we could apply what we learned. Were you able to actually implement some of that 
which you learned last Sunday? Or thirdly, were you able to share with someone something you learned from last Sunday? Last Sunday, we asked you at your tables, who is it that you could actually share something with that you learned last Sunday? So one of those three questions, pick one of them, respond to one question at your table. We're going to give you a few minutes to talk about that. Go for it. Okay, this morning, we are going to talk about surprise number two. We're going to discover the God who sees. The God who sees. And what I'd like you to do at your tables is talk about this. Would you share about a time when you felt like no one saw you? Would you share about a time when you felt as if you were invisible uh, maybe it was just a moment when it's like no one saw you. You were there, but you felt like no one saw you. Just one person at your table, share about a time when you felt like no one saw you. Go ahead, talk about that. Let me tell you a story. I'm not sure what you were doing on January 29th, 2016, but I won't forget it. I was in Cuba. It was my 13th trip into Cuba. And it was one of the last days we were in Cuba with a team of five couples from home builders on a missions trip. And we were like, what should we do? We had been visiting church after church after church. And, uh, but all of the churches that we visited knew we were coming and they were prepared for us. And so I was like, I talked to the pastor who was leading us around. I go, no, we want to surprise someone. We call it a drive-by blessing. I'm like, lead us to someone who doesn't know we're coming, and we just want to show up, 10 gringos, and just bless them. And so they're like, well, there's this guy named Nelson. And this guy named Nelson, he, he lives out in this outskirt area. It's a real drug-infested area. This guy's a man of faith, and, uh, and, and, and he's starting a work there, and this will blow him away if we show up. So all of us drive out to where Nelson is, and I'm like, okay, let me have fun. And so I was asking the pastor, I go, tell me everything about Nelson. I've never met him before. And they say, well, he was in jail. He used to do drugs. He was a drug dealer, but God transformed his life. He's come to rehab. He's married and all this stuff. So I'm logging it into my mind. So I get dropped off near his house a block away. He doesn't know we're coming. And I'm with the translator. I go, you just follow me and you do the translating. Pat, the translator goes, okay. So we walk on in. I walk right into Nelson's house, don't knock, right into Nelson's house, and I look at Nelson, he's looking at me, he's never seen me before, and I say, Nelson, I finally found you, and he's looking at me, and the translator's translated, and I go, remember me, I'm Marcos, we met in jail, and your preaching changed my life, I'm no longer an addict. And I love Jesus, and I've been searching for you everywhere. Finally, I have found you. I go, this is your wife. She's even more beautiful than you said she looked like in prison. And he, he, he seriously, he stands up. He looks at me. He looks at his wife, and, and then he goes, this man is loco. <laughs> and he literally walked out of the house. And I'm like, okay, follow Nelson. So I followed Nelson. His wife got up, and they took us down this little path. And uh, I just, I love having fun, if you know me. And we go down, and there's this church that he started. And he's, he was building it. And you sh if you would have seen his house, your heart would break, because the roof wasn't finished on their own house. There were no windows. 
it was just so dilapidated, and we come down, and his passion was to build the church before he built his own house. And he starts telling us as we look at this church that a half hour before we showed up, he was talking to his wife, and they were discouraged. They were like, how are we going to finish this church? Look at our house. It's run down. It's not even safe to live in. And look at the church. It has no roof. How are we going to support and provide the money for this roof to be built? And we walk in. He shows us the roof, the needs. We pay him the money. And tears coming down Nelson and his wife. This is the God who sees me in my great moment of need and brings about the provision. And Nelson's life and his wife, they were touched, they were changed. This is who God is. This is what he does throughout the Bible. Uh, we're going to see an amazing scripture this morning. Take your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 16 if you would. Now this narrative that we're going to study this morning is about a woman named Hagar and her son Ishmael. Now you have to go back 4,000 years. This is 2,080 years before Christ walks the earth. Now, the book of Genesis is a book, the book, about beginnings. And you can't understand Genesis 16 that we're going to look at unless you understand Genesis 12. Actually, you can't understand the Bible unless you understand Genesis 12. So start in Genesis 12. See, God decided that he would bring hope and life to this sin-cursed world by choosing a man. And that man was named Abraham. Abram, actually, at the beginning. His name is changed to Abraham later. But in chapter 12 of verse 2, God says, I'm going to make a covenant, a promise with you, Abraham. And look at verse 2. I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you, Abraham. I'm going to make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Through you, one man, all peoples on earth will be blessed. If you're a Christian here this morning, you are blessed through Abraham. If it was not for Abraham, you would not be here. The blessing that you experience of eternal life came through this covenant, this promise that God made through Abraham, and ultimately through the seed of Abraham would be born Isaac, and then through Isaac would be born, and finally Jesus Christ would come from this covenant with Abraham, born into that line, and the greatest blessing of all the nations as you come to Christ, everlasting life, redemption would come through Jesus Christ. And it starts with this covenant. Well, we come to Genesis chapter 16, and uh, it's been 13 years, and Abraham and Sarah, they have no, no son. How is this promise going to come about when we have no heir? Because the blessing is to come through a child, and they realize this. Chapter 16, verse 1, now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, 13 years since God made this promise. But she, Sarah, had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. 
So she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children, so go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram, let's take a little shortcut. Let's take a little detour because I know how we can work this thing out. And we can find this child to promise by you sleeping with my servants. Abraham agreed to what Sarah said. Not a lot of leadership there. So Abraham, so after Abram had been living in Canaan, 10 years, Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian maidservant Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. Well, he slept with Hagar, Abraham did, and she conceived. Ah, she's pregnant. The child. When she knew, Hagar, that she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. She starts showing attitude towards Sarah. Nana, nana, nana. I'm pregnant, giving Abraham a son or a daughter or a child, and you're not. Then Sarah said to Abraham, You are responsible for this wrong that I'm suffering. I put my servant in your arms, and now she, now that she knows she's pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord be judge between you and me. Abraham, again, abdicating his role as a leader. Your servant is in your hands, Abraham said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarah mistreated Hagar. We're not sure what the mistreatment looked like. Was it physical abuse? Was it verbal abuse? Maybe both. But it was so bad that she fled. Hagar flees. Now, Hagar was in a place called Hebron. Some of you, many of you have been with me to Hebron in 2018. If you go with me back to Israel, here's a picture of Hebron where uh, Hagar was and Abram and Sarah. And she flees, though, this area and she goes south. And it says there in verse 7, the angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was a spring that is beside the road to Shur. Now, Shur was right on the border of Israel and Egypt. So, Hagar, you can imagine, she's been abused, misused, she's pregnant, she's a fugitive, she's going back to her family. She's an Egyptian servant. When you're at your lowest point, you want to be around family for their comfort. But as she's on her way, doesn't quite reach there yet, an angel of the Lord finds her. Now, the angel of the Lord is Jesus Christ the pre-incarnate Christ, before he took on human flesh, many times, this is when God visits and shows up and reveals himself. And oftentimes, Jesus would come in the form of the angel of the Lord and visit many people in the Old Testament. We read about it. And here's Jesus coming. And he said to Hagar, servant of Sarah, where have you come from? Where are you going? What's going on in your life, Hagar? I'm running away from my mistress. Sarah, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, you go back to your mistress and submit to her. Hagar, you go back and you fall underneath her. Do not have attitude toward her. Submit to her. The angel added, I will so increase your descendants that they will be too numerous to count. Sarah or or Hagar, you do this, there will be a blessing for you. And there will be a blessing for the child within you. You go back 
The angel of the Lord also said to her, You are now a child, and you will have a son, and you're going to name him Ishmael. For the Lord has heard your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. The brothers are the Israelites. Hagar, your son Ishmael, will be in hostility toward all the Israelites. You see, right here is the origin of the Arab nation. Ishmael is the father of the Arab nation. The Arab-Israeli conflict begins right here. Sarah is the mother of the Arab-Israeli conflict. Abraham is the father. Actually, Hagar is the mother. Notice verse 13. Actually, let me just share with you a little picture of what this looks like today. <clears throat> In Israel, there, here's Israel. Here's all the Arab nations. Israel is bordered by 22 hostile Arab Islamic nations that are 640 times her size and 65 times her population. Jewish population worldwide is 13 million. The Arab, 300 million. And all of these nations, for the most part, hate Israel. It all started here in this moment. Sarah said, let's take a shortcut. Let's give my maidservant Hagar to Abram. See, Abraham is the father of the Jewish nation, but he's also the father of all this as well. We need to think about that. I'm not trying to right now take you on a tangent to go some, make some political statement or anything, but I feel like as Christians, you ought to understand this. This is what's happening, and this is what God is prophesying. But I want you to focus on Hagar this morning. So go back to verse 11 or 13. So all this is communicated to Hagar. You go back, and I'm going to bless you, God says. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. This is the first time and the only time in the Bible when a human being gives a name for God. It's always the greater is given the name to the lesser. But here we have... Hagar, the Lord sees her, and she names God, gives him the name the Lord sees, which is not like a new name for God. It's his character he always sees, but she assigned and ascribed to God that name. It's a beautiful, tender moment. Wow. So Hagar bore Abram's son, and Abram gave him the name Ishmael. To the son she was born. Abraham was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. Wow. Incredible. So God reveals himself to Hagar as the God who sees. And it totally transformed, redirected Hagar's life. She goes back to Hebron. Submits. First question I want you to think about. And I'm looking at the clock. And, uh, it, but it's this. Can you summarize this passage in a few words? Now, let me define for you what a summary is. A summary is not the point of the passage. It's not the application of the passage. 
The summary is a description of what is happening, a very succinct what is happening in this passage. So that as you're thinking about it, let me give you like a summary of this in my own words. This narrative that we just read, this is the summary, is a story about a woman named Hagar who's mistreated, who flees to the desert. God reveals himself to her and says, go back and submit to your mistress and you'll be blessed. That's the summary of it. So if, if you want to take a stab at it, you want to stand up and you want to begin your statement by saying, this passage is about, or this passage describes, okay? And in your own words, there are different ways to give a summary, but is there anyone you'd be willing to just kind of take a stab at giving us a summary of what this is about? Manny, go ahead and stand up and just begin your statement by saying, this passage is about, or this passage describes, in your own words. It would be great to hear that. Thank you. Uh, this passage uh, makes Abraham uh, set forth uh, the future of the problems we have today. Wow. Okay. Now that's a great description of something very deep that the passage gets at. But on the surface of it all, just what, what's the drama? What's taking place here? This is very simple, but it's sometimes not easy to get at. Go ahead. Give us a, a summary. This is about... This is about uh, waiting on the Lord and... Um, being uh, uh, impatient and going your own way and messing up his plan. Okay. This is a story about a woman who's very impatient, messing up things, and there are a lot of problems that result. Okay, that's a great way to summarize it. One more here, and then we're going to go on to another question. Give us a summary, the big picture of what's happening here. This is about... Um, this is about also uh, redemption, that um, after the conflict and the problem started, that God always has a resolution for those that are involved, if they're willing. So because she acknowledged, Hagar acknowledged that Ooh. God saw her, he blessed her anyway wow. in the situation. Beautiful. Fantastic. Thank you. Great summary. Okay. Here's another way to look at it. What jumps off the page from you? when this was read, when I kind of went through the reading. In other words, what hits you between the eyes? What moment in everything we just talked about, just like, oh, that's so powerful. Who would like to stand and just tell us that? Give us your moment. Give us that, that, that singular thought that just kind of nails you when you just hear this read. What is it that just stirs in your heart? you got to stand. you got to stand, and Mike's got to get to you. Please stand quickly. Go for it. And we'll get a mic to you. Yeah. That Jesus will always find you. That Jesus will always find you. What a powerful moment. Thank you for sharing that. What else? Uh, God's unwillingness, or sorry, our unwillingness to trust God. Our unwillingness to trust God. Wow. Okay. Uh, that the Lord uh, always keeps his promises because he, he made a promise to Abraham that he would make his uh, descendants more numerous than uh, the sand. Um, and even though he messed up and had a child with uh, Hagar, he still kept that promise through yeah. Hagar. God keeps his promises, you bet. And even then, he gave a promise to Hagar. Yep. That God, Wayne, right here. Go ahead. That God sees us even when we do something wrong, but yet he blesses us and forgives us and has mercy. Okay. Thank you. Great. You asked me what jumped off the page. The fact that Abram checked his brain at the door. I mean, 
Yeah. What's going on, Abraham? I mean, how passive can you be? God has promised. He spoke to you. And you just decide to take a different route when your wife is just like Adam and Eve, right? You see the similarity? Give us one more. He doesn't leave us empty-handed whatever happens to us. God doesn't leave us empty-handed. You bet. All right. Let's, uh, we've we got we to move on here, but what do you discover about God? Here's the next question. What do, you dis- what do you discover about God in this? Go ahead and stand. Stand. No hands raised. Stand so we get a mic to you. He looks after us. He looks out for us. Beautiful. What else do we discover about God? There should be 10 people standing right now. What do we discover about God from the scripture? We just read an amazing scripture about God. And not the same people should be standing. Come on, guys. That he has a, pl- he pl- has a plan and purpose for us, and it's he, up to us to seek it out and follow. God has a plan and a purpose, and we see that throughout. Great. His presence. God's uh, presence is no ever there. Hmm, beautiful. You know. No matter where you go through, he hears you in his presence. Amen. Amen. No matter where you're at, God's presence is there and he hears you. Yeah. God, God is in control of everything. He sees the end from the beginning and he knows he's setting up the Gentiles to come to him too. Okay. He's got a big plan bigger than what we could ever imagine. We see that right here. God can say not now. God can say not now. Okay? All right? Even when we go outside of God's will, he can still turn it Ooh. around and bless us. Wow. That's huge. Let's talk about man. What do we discover about man from this passage? That kind of relates to God and man. Even when we go outside of his will for our lives, still there's a blessing, but there is a bite there as well, wasn't there? What else, though? When you see this passage, what do we point out about man? Where do we see us in this? That's like, ah, oh, that's like me. I do that. I think that way. How do you see that? What, what part of you do you see there? Who do you most relate to in this scripture? Yeah, go for it. Uh, doing a, a, a something out of God's will has consequences, yep. sometimes mostly bad. Yeah. <laughs> when we get outside of God's will, there's consequences, and oftentimes it's bad. Yeah. Yeah, that we tend to take the easy way out. Oh, what an insight. Yeah. We take the easy way out, the quick way out, right? The expedient way out. Oh, yeah. Um, too often in our impatience and eagerness, we want to try and move the process along, and we'll take the reins or take the wheel and, and think that we can help God along and just speed things up and at times he puts the brakes on for us and has us go through a whole different path. Wow. God needs our help and we are going to speed it along. You bet. Even when God speaks directly to us, sometimes we choose not to have faith in what he's going to do. Just to do our own thing. Yeah, we can do our own thing. Abraham and Sarah were like that. Even when the Lord spoke to them in one of the most amazing promises ever, Hmm. I see in Abraham, like I see in me, pride. Pride. Yeah, pride. Pride of man that would lead us to just say, I can in my own way. Wow. Okay, let's turn and move toward how this relates to our own life and how we can obey this. I mean, how can we 
What is there here for us to obey? What is it that we should live out in light of what you see here? What is the lesson of obedience that we should follow as a result of everything we've read here? What is God saying to you about that? Some people stand up and give us a, a statement of obedience that we should follow. Yeah? Well, I have one, and that would be patience. Sometimes you just need to sit down and do nothing. Wow. We need to wait on the Lord. Absolutely. We need to have patience. And that's not always easy. But wow, what a blessing that is for sure. Let's get some people to stand, guys. We should have four or five people standing. Come on. Let's do it. Let's do it. God is at work. He's speaking, and he wants to speak through you. We think we're so smart, and yet, and yet we're so weak. Wow. You bet. That's so true. Getting back to pride again. Yeah. When we surrender, he can work through us. Okay. What a great statement. When we surrender or when we wait, God can work through us. Yeah. Uh, relying on God to make the, make the decision. Because if you, if you notice, um, God was talking to Abraham and uh, Sarah at this time. But when they made this decision, they made it completely on their own. They didn't, they didn't pray or ask God Ooh, for anything. Wow. Wow. There's no seeking of God's will, his insight through prayer in moving forward in this decision. One more here or two more here. Uh, God's plan is either like you don't get married or you're married. You have kids or don't have kids. God's in control no matter what. So you just take what he says and go with it. Okay. So we should obey God, do what he says, and trust him. Okay? When we try to take control... Um, in, our human, in our human abilities, we're going to complicate things and pay a huge mm. price. Wow. Okay. Definitely. We can pay a huge price if we try to take things on our own. Wow. Okay. What I'd like you to do at your tables right now, I want you, I want to see tables giving us statements. How can you write a statement about how you're going to obey this passage as a table this week. I mean, come up with something really cool as a table. I want to have you guys share that in about three or four minutes. From this passage, what is the one statement your table is going to obey this week in following God's word? You're going to pray for each other, and you're going to share that statement in about three or four minutes. Go for it at your tables. Write it out. Something short. Go for it. All right, let's go ahead and uh, listen to some of our table statements, some things that your table has come up. Let's just have someone stand. You're willing to read your statement for your table. It would be great if your statement could begin, you know, in the future with like, we are going to, or because it's your statement. What do you got there? What's your statement? How are you going to apply? How are you going to obey this scripture? What's this? Yep. Seek the Lord first before making a decision. Ooh, okay. Make sure we hear from the Lord and not something or someone else. Uh, three, um, learn, actually, um, practice more patience. Learn to wait for the Lord and wait for his guidance and have faith. He hears us and will answer us. I love it. A lot of great truth there. And uh, fantastic. Yep. Uh, we got another one right over there. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Mm. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Pretty good when you use the Bible as your own words. <laughs> Just can't improve on that. That's great. I mean, what a great scripture to summarize the application, the obedience statement here. Yep. 
Okay, put all in God's hands and pray before you act. Obey because it's better than sacrifice. Be faithful. When you pray, wait. Okay, great. Fantastic statement. Really good. Be transparent in our shortcomings, knowing God will use all things to bless and bring him glory. Right on. Fantastic. Yeah. Don't go ahead of God. Stop, pray, wait. Ooh, wow. Great statement. Really good. Yep. We agreed to have quiet time with the Lord before starting our day and to make time to pray before making a decision. Wow. You know, th these are simple but very profound truths because if you think about your life, if Sarah and Abraham just would have done that, and you think about in your own life, when we haven't done something so simple, the, the things that are literally revolutionary in your life are simple. Because when God speaks and it's like, that is a profound truth that I could obey. Yeah. Remember, I am God and you are not. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> be patient and wait on me. Yeah, there you go. Waiting on God is always better than rushing and doing what we want to do. God's plans are better. Wow. God's plans are so much better, and he promises to bless us. If we'll just do what he says, wow. Or we can do it our own way and have conflict for the rest of our lives. Isn't that just powerful? I mean, one of the greatest things that I was waiting for someone to say, out of all this, God promises blessing and for man, if we will follow, we will be blessed. I mean, that's one of the most profound things about God and man in the scripture. Whew. Yeah. I believe we should uh, think about the things in our life that we um, are trying to do on our own and then try and let go of that and trust mm. God that he will come up with a solution for that. Whoa, man, that's great. We're all dealing with those kind of things, aren't we? But if we trust God... See him in that process and wait on him. What a difference. What a difference. We were going to say exactly what you said, but this was the backup. Oh, good for you, girl. <laughs> I like it. Uh, we're going to practice being still, waiting on God's timing, mm. and letting the Lord take control. Yes. Amen. That's great. Uh, keep my eyes on the Lord and wait on him and not be waved by circumstances. Ooh, love it. Circumstances. They always change. They they can easily knock us off course. We can try to take shortcuts, but wait on the Lord. That's great. I love it. We were going along with the Proverbs 3, 5 through 7, but also we talked about uh, not compromising, not listening to foolish counsel, mm. and to be discerning as well. Okay. Let's grab a seat, you guys. Here's the next question. Who's one person that you could share this with? Who's one person that you could actually, I mean, someone who comes to your mind right now, that this week, literally you, the Holy Spirit is saying, you need to go to them because they're running ahead of God. And, and in love, you need to remind them there's a God that will bless you if you wait on him, if you follow him, if you trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. Who is that person that God would want you to go to, even this week, to lovingly talk to him about it? There's someone that you'd be able to share us about. Someone that you just are sensing that, that this would be a moment for you. Family member, son or daughter, it can be anyone. Is there someone that you feel the Lord, you know, I could do this. And the Lord has called me to do it. I tell you what, how about just a raise of hands? Raise the hands of people. 
You know? So there's only about, well, there's a lot more. I think almost everyone. I mean, this is about learning to obey God's word, guys. And if we're hearing a question, we're like, oh, no, there's no one I can talk to about that. Are you serious? Come on. Wake up. This is the word of God. Of course, there's so many people. Hmm. Go ahead. Mike, you were standing up. Let's give him the mic. Mike's going to get the mic. I was just going to say, I'm, I'm going into um, the San Quentin uh, uh, Christian Chapel this week, and so I'm going to um, give a little message, and I'm going to focus mm -hmm. it in on this point that we've learned today. Wow. Awesome, man. Love it. Fantastic. Wow. Okay. What, let, let's go to this next one. Um, what can you pray for or against based on this passage? I mean, what should we as a group your table, be praying for or against? How would you word it? Right now, who would stand up and exhort us as a group? We need to be praying for this. As in our families, we need to be praying for our kids this way, for or against. What is God saying we should be praying for in light of everything we've learned this morning? How can we pray for this this week? Who would like to stand up and give us an insight into what we think would be God's will? Because we should always pray according to the will of God, well, what, how should we be praying uh, in light of this even uh, this week? I would say I would pray for wisdom and pray against making rash decisions. Oh, man. When's the last time that I've prayed against making rash decisions? What a great insight. Lord, help me to not make rash decisions this week. Awesome insight, Ken. I needed to hear that. Man, I need to hear that. Because my wife's thinking about going shopping this week. and <laughs> She's not. She's defending herself right now. I totally took us off track there. Sorry. You're making me laugh, Mark. Um, I pray for um, God to send people into our lives to hold us accountable when they see us straying from uh, wow. God's path. Whoa. Lord, bring someone into my life. If I do stray by taking everything into my own hands, that they'll point that out to me in love. Whoa. Man, I needed to hear that. Thanks. That is a great insight into prayer. Fantastic. Anyone else got a way that we could pray uh, for this? Man, that's great insight. As, a, as Americans, we're impatient, but as Christians, we shouldn't be, but we are. And so we have to stop being impatient with God and know that he is God, and we have to be still. Wow. Help me to be still, Lord. Help me to know you're God. You have a plan, even when the circumstances look this way. Two more, and then that's it. To uh, rely on his will and not to just take it on and rely on our will. I need to rely on your will, Lord, not my will be done. Wow, just to pray the prayer that Jesus prayed in the garden. Powerful. My prayer, or our prayer, should be that Christians will come out of the closet. Mm, that will come out, that will be bold, that will be recognized, that will live in light of the fact that there is a God who sees and a God who promises to bless. This is the God who sees this morning. Whatever's going on in your life, we worship a God who sees you, just like Hagar. That moment of incredible difficulty, of rejection, when she doesn't think that there is a God who loves her, she runs away. 
And at our lowest point, the tenderness of God comes to our reminder, you go back, you submit, I will bless you. And she did. What about you? God's saying to you, you go back, you obey me, you follow my will, I will bless you. We've been praying for Randy Foss for the last several weeks about him finding a job. Remember that Sunday? He was right here. I prayed for him. We prayed for him as a group. Randy just shared with me uh, last week that it's a little bit longer of a story, but a man came in that Randy recognizes, a businessman in the area, and uh, there was a co-worker that talked about Randy, the truth. Randy's a great worker. He's a man of integrity, and this businessman has recognized that about Randy as well. And, uh, but Randy was quiet. He wasn't like broadcasting he needed a job. But another co-worker told this businessman, his name is Snooky. When there's a guy named Snooky that wants to hire you, it's an answer to prayer. <laughs> and so Snooky comes up to Randy and says, I, I, you didn't say that you're in need of a job. You know, their business is closing down where Randy's worked for all these years. And he goes, well, I do. And, and uh and, and Randy's like, but I don't have, you know, expertise, experience in the area of construction. And the man goes, no, you're good enough, as you are. He goes, you show up. What I love about your story is, Randy, God saw you. We prayed for you. God sent an angel named Snooky. <laughs> and you know what you did? You submitted, even not knowing how to necessarily, like, you haven't had 20 years of construction, but you submitted. Just like God said, hey, are you go back and submit in that different situation. You enter back into that area. You go to that prison that I'm calling you to. You submit there. To submit means to place yourself under, to go back where God's calling you to, and I will bless you. I'll bless you. There's a God who sees you in your deepest moment, he speaks to you. He says, go this way, I'll bless you. God reveals himself, wants to redirect your life. He's doing it amongst us this morning. Thank you for your comments. Let me pray, then let me tell you how we're going to end this time. Lord, I pray that you would take this word that we've heard this morning and massage it deeply into our hearts and help us like Hagar to hear from you. And to this week, apply these things about the God who sees. Thank you for answering prayer with regard to Randy. We celebrate that. And we pray that you'd answer many of our prayers even this week as we seek to be like Hagar, as we seek to be like Randy, as we even seek to be like Mike as he'll go into that prison. Help us to go where you lead us to go. Not easy. You say submit and the blessing will come. Thank you for that. All God's people said?